You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. You know, I recently actually won uh, a lot of money on DraftKings. Uh, I bet that uh, Tom Brady would get unbelievably and undeservedly lucky in a Super Bowl <laughs> or a big game in general. So wow. make that make that bet every time. How much did you win? Uh, just millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm just going to bet it every game. Just, just enormous. Like Tom Brady's going to get an enormous break, and there's still going to be a you know a horseshoe shoved firmly up his ass. But DraftKings. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to also become a millionaire like me, uh, use DraftKings. So this week's jam packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways to have a front row seat for you to have a front row seat for all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Wow, excitement to every night and simple to do. Sounds like my kind of night. Uh, <laughs> draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up like Taylor. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, $2 billion of which has gone to Taylor, to users across sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. You're darn right it does. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And today we are very excited to welcome one of the region's best artists to the show. If you live in Buffalo, there is a very good chance that you've at least seen some of his many great works, which include the Freedom Wall at Michigan Avenue in East Ferry, or the Love Black Mural that's located on Main Street in Buffalo, which debuted last year. Uh, most recently, he designed the Sabres Black History Month logo. We are very excited to welcome to the show artist Adris Wajid. Adris, how are you? Welcome to the show. Man, I'm hey, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Thanks for having me, man. It's not often that you get invites during this time, but being that it's over Zoom, you know, you can say yes a little more often, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to be, it's hard to be late, man, you know. <laughs> I hear that one. We've uh, ran into that many a times with the Zooms. So let's just get right into it then. Uh, as far as the Sabres logo goes, amazing design first and foremost. Very cool. I, there has been pretty much just like universal acclaim and praise for it. So uh, can you just tell us first off, you know, how the process got started with the Sabres? Yeah, I, um, I think... I think just through one of the things that I always talk about, man, is like, you never know like who you're dealing with or like, you know, who you may be speaking to. So I think just in general, I just think I've always been very, very genuine and authentic and kind to people in general. So I just think that years later, it just kind of circled around to where my name was kind of, I guess, mentioned or thrown into a uh, appropriate situation, so to speak. Um, because a guy that, that I met like 2017, I think his name was uh, Dave Jackson, that 
um, kind of, he was working for the Sabres and I think somehow or a way or other, he mentioned my name, you know, um, that's the only bit of the story that I have. Um, um, so that's how the connect came. And so the, you know, call came and, you know, they were kind of just, you know, explaining what they were trying to do this year, do something different, you know, obviously considering, you know, the climate and the atmosphere of everything. And they're just like, you know, like, you know, what, what, what can we do? You know, like we're just thinking about some things or whatever. So that's where I come in, you know, as an artist and as a creative, that's one of the things that, that's one of our tasks, man, is to creative solution, you know, be solution finders, you know? And, you know, so I was approached with the task of coming up with something that made sense for, for Black History Month. However, not crazy, over the head, overt, like, you know, in the, in the very, it had to be very tactful, you know, because again, just considering the climate, man, it had to be very tactful. So, you know, you kind of just alluded to it there, but one of the things that, you know, we both think make the design so great is the amount of detail that was put into it. Uh, and, you know, you we know just from the video that the Sabres had put out that you had drew inspiration from several different areas. So can you talk a little bit about your inspiration for the design and how it all kind of came together in the end? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so, you know, again, it was just a matter of like, okay, how do we, you know, and excuse me if I repeat myself about anything, but it was it was really about like, okay, how do we pay a nod to something as significant as having the first African-American hockey player, you know, on the ice and he was a saber. Like, how do we do that? How do we pay, you know, uh, just a nod to, you know, Black History Month and that's a whole nother long conversation, but those are the main pieces, you know? And so I just was, I just, I was, I was reaching, man. I was just digging and my process is I throw everything on the table and then start sifting through, you know? So I had a whole bunch of things and, you know, I'm thinking about, do I draw Val James? Is, you know, I'm like, nah, that's not the way. I'm like, do I, is it if, you know, um, one, of, one of the main things that Rich, Rich is the guy who I was dealing with. One of the things that Rich mentioned was you got to keep the logo intact, you know? So that, that was a thing, like, how do I keep the logo recognizable? That was the main thing. Like, no matter what, when you see the logo, it's still recognizable as Buffalo Sabres, right? All right. So then that's, that was like the confines. So one of the things about, I learned many years ago about like they, this, this, uh, the, the phrase is, uh, I think restrictions are the best partners of architectures, architects, like restrictions, like, cause otherwise you're gonna just keep building and building and building and building. So it's like, okay, here's your space, right? This space right here, these are your confines. What do you do with it? And so I just started looking at the commonalities, man. You know, you have these sabers, you know, these swords, right? These battle swords. And I started thinking about, you know, um, a, a Dinkra symbol. So a Dinkra symbol is a long list of, you know, they're, they're numerous, man, but there were ways and symbols of communication back in Africa and in Ghana and other regions too. And, and so I started thinking about, okay, what do those look like? And I just scrolling through those, looking at the definitions and things, and just came across this uh, Akofena symbol man with these these big you know the swords right they kind of but they look like i stylized them to look like sabers you know but they were swords battle swords and for they meant valor and courage and i'm like okay i'm like i think this feels about right right because now we're talking about we're connecting to the the history of africa in a sense and but african-american so i just started picking pieces together 
and then uh, you know as far as the 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 buffalo itself i was thinking about you know how can i really tie it in and you know pre pretty much almost hit a you know a home run or at least or at least hit a triple right i'm thinking like all right what else could i do and so that's where i started thinking about colors because he was like you don't have to stick to the sabers colors and i'm like well if not the sabers colors what colors you know what i mean i mean i could pick anything dude you know <laughs> And then I started thinking about the Braves, you know, and like, you know, that's a, like a lost jewel of ours. You know, that was a lost jewel of ours that I didn't get to experience. You guys didn't get to experience. You know, I, we weren't around for these basketball right, games. Right. Or NBA team, you know, and they used to play at the same place, you know, at the odd, the odd isn't here anymore. You know, like, it's like, so I was trying to find these missing pieces. And then that's how I came across the, you know, the Braves things. I kind of paid tribute by just stylizing that the the, uh, the Buffalo a little bit in the same way that the Braves thing was. And um, yeah, man, that, that's as brief as I can put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Vale James there, who I think it's a it's a pretty interesting thing. And I think you're right. Not many Sabres fans, I think, know uh, that much about him because. Uh, in so like in baseball, for example, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947, and then it was just kind of like a slow process from there. Was Larry Doby and like guys like Willie Mays, and all of a sudden it was just like over. When Willie O replayed for the Bruins in 1958, not only was that significantly later than the other sports, it was just like kind of a one and done thing. He was there a little while, and then there was no black players for years for decades really it wasn't even a mainstream thing until the late 80s so how important was it for you to be able to help uh give Val James some recognition and you know help tell his story a little bit man dude um man that's a great question Taylor <laughs> I think yeah that's a great question man like man yeah right so here, here's the thing too so like especially like on social media now like you know you get to see you know instant thoughts and instant feedback and people processing things. And so a lot of people are like, yeah, but you know, they're, they're, they're saying like, we got it wrong. Like, no, he wasn't the first Af you know, African-American, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you gotta do, you gotta do your research really. And you mm -hmm. gotta, and, and you have to be specific in this, in this case, right? It so matters, like, the language matters. It, it matters, man, it totally matters. So, you know, and dealing with the design, right? I'm talking to Rich and he's like, yeah, I'm already getting feedback. It's before anybody saw it. And he's like, I'm already getting feedback saying, you know, well, we, we can't say first African-American. And I'm like, I'm like, look, we're going to put out something to where if you stand on the truth, the truth doesn't need any validation. Like, that's what I kept thinking. Like, it doesn't need, the truth right. is, right? There, Willie O'Ree was the first black. Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt not African-American, there's a difference between the Canadian and, you know, African-American, right? There's a difference. And so people are like, well, Canada's in North America. Okay, take yourself over to Canada now and claim that you're Canadian. It's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Let mm -hmm. a Canadian come over to America and claim that they're American. Like there's a problem, it's not going to happen. So therefore there is a distinct difference between Canadian and African-American. So. In, in doing that in a design, just a simple touch is what I, I underlined American. Just to be very specific, right. African American in the NHL, right? Not black, right? Not person mm -hmm. of color, African American. So that was very important. And in doing that, that's how we were very specific about Val James, you know? Right. Um, being here on American soil and, and, you know, and such. And so, you know, very, very, very subtle. Just put his number that his number that he debuted with number 26 and then the year 
you know, that that he was here. So um, the thing is, is like, especially with my work, like I'm, I'm just here to inform people. So if you don't know, if, if you if, if the evidence that's on there is not enough for you, that's I'm not going to give you any more than that. Like we can't give you any more. That's right. where you got to take it on your own, whether you're upset or not, to go find out what's what. Right. <laughs> Type in 1981, number 26. First, the, the data is going to be there for you. Right. Right. It's, it's just provable. It's not even like it's a, a matter of question, of course. And, and so just in the way you're talking about your process there and the way that you kind of, you know, just th thought through the design and how meticulous you were in it. I have been familiar with your work for a while. Um, of course, you've had, you know, some of like very high profile pieces throughout the city, as I had mentioned earlier, but also I followed you on Instagram for, for quite a while now. And so one of the things that I've really gathered from your work and one of the things that I really love about it is just the level to which it, it speaks you know, like there is a message and, you know, just you talking about that and the importance of making sure that, you know, like the language that you use and, you know, what is represented, making sure that people understand what you are trying to convey. And so I guess what my question is, this is a little bit more on like a general sense, um, but how have you as an artist like gone about crafting that messaging and how has it grown into what it is today? Hmm. Great question, man. Good. The best way for me to answer that is I'm my work is reflective of who I am as a person, like the most inwardly as a person, meaning that I'm a very thoughtful person. Like I'm, you know, like I'm not a person who's I'm not a I'm not a person who has a temper that's gonna just blurt out something and then, you know, later on say, man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Like I say exactly what I mean after processing. So I process, I process, I think a lot, you know, and, and I'm always very considerate. You know, I mean, and I would, I, I, I would say to a fault, but I'm not going to say that word. Like, I just feel like people would say things that are that nature. Like, it felt appropriate for me to say, I'm considerate to a fault, but I'm not going to say that. Like, I'm just considerate. I'm just very considerate. I love that. I love that. You know what I mean? Like, it, I'm just a considerate person, period, man. Any, any location, any place you put me, I'm going to be considerate. So my work also speaks to those, those tones, you know? about me being considerate, being thoughtful and being mindful of like what I put out there, you right. know? And, and, and then being able to stand on it in the sense of it, like I mentioned before about truth, right? Like, I mean, you know, the truth can be arguable if, depending on what you're talking about, right? Like, um, I'm not saying like, like, like no one can argue my truth. No one can argue your truth, right? Your, and what I mean by truth is your experience, right? Nobody mm -hmm. can argue that you know, argue over that they can try, but there's really no leverage if, you know, if how you, you know, experience whatever, like what have you experienced, whatever, like say, for example, I'm allergic to peanuts, right? Like, man, I, I would like to have peanuts, but I can't have peanuts. Oh, peanuts are great. What do you mean you don't like peanuts? Like, yeah, I'm like, right. It's my experience. I'm telling you, right. My experience with peanuts is definitely like, you know, so mm -hmm. that's what I mean by your truth. So as long as I stand on my truth, and my truth, before I share it, I make sure that it's at least a little bit considerate of, of what's out there. But, I, but I'm never afraid to, you know, to, I'm never afraid to rattle something if by chance it's still standing on an even more larger universal truth, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. So 
obviously you've uh, you've had a lot of uh, important pieces of art in the in the city of Buffalo. How do you think uh, the city of Buffalo has helped influence your your artistic style? Hmm. How has it influenced my style, man? That's very interesting, man. Wow. Well, I don't know if I, I can't. I haven't been asked that question before. Interesting. Really? Yeah, I don't. I've, I've been asked a lot wow. of questions, but never had it have I been asked if Buffalo influenced my style. That's interesting. Well, I'll say this, man. I I I, I would rely on someone else to kind of tell me what that looks like you know and, and what i mean by that is like buffalo has a vibration buffalo, buffalo definitely has influence on style period like in buffalo like there's a particular way that people move in buffalo there's a particular you know there's a particular sound of a music of like the artist that you know that came from buffalo you know what i mean whether it's you know whether it's the google dolls whether it's whomever like there's a particular sound right and so art, there's a bunch of artists that have come and that exists, exists here too. So I imagine that Buffalo influenced the style in that sense. Um, so if I had to pick one thing, I would probably say it influenced my, it influenced the attitude behind my work. I can probably say that with confidence, like Buffalo has influenced the attitude behind all of my work. And that attitude is one of, that, that, that attitude is very, uh, the, I want to say, I don't want to say tough. That's not the word I'm looking for. But it, it but it has a grit to it. You know, like it yeah, has a, yeah. like it's a grit. It's a, it's 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 tough. It's a toughness to it. Like there's a toughness to the work, man. And I know what it is. I got I got it. It's, <laughs> I got it. I got it. So the style of my work is 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 consistent, and damn. It just slipped me. It's consistent and mm, mm, damn. You got this. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> you got this. Yeah, it's, I just had it too. It's like, it's hard to describe, man. Like, uh, it just has a, like I said, man, it's just an attitude with it. Yeah. To not quit. Like, it's, a, it's an attitude to not quit and to be firm in who and who I say I am. I think that's what it is. You know, be firm yeah. who I say I am because, and I'll give you the example of, you already know whether it's hockey, whether it's football, Buffalo has some of the best fans in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And again, that is a truth, right? <laughs> like, the, like the world, the world knows over now, like, damn, they just do not quit. Like Something's definitely wrong with us all, yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, like we could be, we could be seen as crazy in a sense, right? that's the piece that's what influences my work i do not give up i do not quit and i do not give up i love that i love that so uh, one question that actually just kind of popped into my head you know as we're talking you know about the uh about the logo and then also you know before again i mentioned the love black mural on main street one thing that that you know kind of I, i'm curious for your take on you know of course this logo was influenced in in light of of course black history month the love black mural on main street from last year that was of course in regards to like in response to the black lives matter movement and the protests that were happening all over the city all over the country all over the world and so i guess i'm wondering if you feel as though you know you're at a point as an artist where if there's something that's happening like you just know instinctually like 
I want to have my voice be heard on this. Like I want my art to, to speak to this regardless of what it is, you know? And, and I, when I say regardless, I'm talking about, of course, like, you know, we're talking about big issues here. And of course, you know, it, it, it matters to have those conversations. And if, as you have, you know, talked about in your answers, it matters for what the messaging is. And, you know, it's about being honest. It's about acknowledging what truths are. It's about, you know, acknowledging the reality of the situation of, you know, what your situation is and, and you know, on having empathy towards other people. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about a lot of like with compassion. And so, you know, I, I'm just curious, you know, do you feel like as an artist that when these moments happen that you feel as though you want to like jump at the chance to really, you know, let your art do the talking for you? Yes and no. So, one, I'll say yes in the sense of I, I would much rather allow my skill set of visual interpretation or visual articulation speak, you know, like that's just that's just something that I naturally do. I just I would love to just put my artwork out there and, and not have to say anything in order to back it. That's what, again, that's what I mean by I'm very thoughtful and precise in the sense of if I have a thought, I've processed it, I've given it some time and when I say it, I mean it, right? And I stand by it. However, I never intended to be an artist that had artwork that revolved around these issues. Like I, I've just always been an artist who just creates, you know, I would love, you know what I mean? Like I would just love to be, you know, an artist that creates without having to be mindful of the things that are going around outside of me. But considering that, I mean, I'm black, right? I'm and, and so a lot of these things obviously affect me and I can't ignore them. And oftentimes I'm not, I'm, I don't even make work that speaks, to the, that speaks to that in particular to a response. Like I don't make work in response to necessarily, you understand mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, totally. like, like for the Love Black mural, right? I was already, I, I have two sons and I was already doing this thing um, that just said love black boys, right? And, and all that meant was like, I spent time in education. I was used to be an art teacher in high school, I used to be a substitute teacher. I always worked around students. And those are some of the students that, you know, get the raw end of the deal a lot, man. And I mean, it's in, again, it's in studies, it's in studies. And it's my experience. I was in the schools to see these kids right. at nine years old, 10 years old, you know, getting kicked out for just walking in the hallway with a straw in their mouth because they wouldn't throw the straw in the garbage. Like little simple things like, wait a minute, right. like, this is a 10 night. Like these are the things that set those kids up to believe that they don't have value in the world, and then they can be, and then they start making bad decisions based off of how they're corralled into a a, a stereotype, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had already been making work around that in the sense of just like, look, it's a again, like I told you about compassion, man, um, and considerate, being considerate, like I automatically related to that experience because I grew up as that child too, right. Um, but I never intended to be creating work on this scale and giving them uh, the, the differences is that I've had the opportunities now. That's all it is. I have the opportunities for it to be on a grander scale, but I had already been creating this work because that's how I would address it sometimes. Like if I felt a particular way about something, about an inequity or whatever, I would just draw about it. And then, but not many people would see it, you know, mm -hmm. because either it was very personal, I was holding it or whatever, but um, you know, so the short end of it is like, all it is that I have 
been given opportunities by other people, you know, by, you know, the Albright Knox, by the Buffalo Sabres, by, you know, Zach Moss with the Buffalo Bills and, you know, Avalon Sports. So like, I've been given opportunities by organizations that saw fit to say something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's already my duty to kind of just be an artist, but it takes organizations to say, you know what, I need to say something about this. Maybe I'm not the vehicle for it, but there is a person that's equipped to do it. So let's partner. That's all it really comes down to, you know? Yeah, you mentioned um, Zach Moss of the, the Buffalo Bills there. What is your connection with him? So Zach Moss, uh, his, uh, his sports agency reached out to me three months ago, maybe two months ago. It was the game that he got injured. It was like right before the game he got, he was injured in, man. So like two games before the playoff championship, I guess. And so he was doing a fundraiser for a Lackawanna community center. And, you know, Lackawanna, you know, has his challenges, you know, and so they're, 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 they're trying to build a community center there. So Zach took on that as a, as a, as a, as a mission for him to kind of use his stat, his status and stature to build for a cause. And so his sports agency reached out to me and, you know, they were like, Hey, let's collab. And so we worked with 26 shirts. You guys familiar with 26 shirts, right? Wearing one of their hats right now. Yeah, <laughs> my man, Dell. So Dell, yeah. Yeah, we reached out. Um, so they reached out to Dell. And so between Dell, the sports agency, myself and Zach Moss, we created this image that said Moss mode. And, you know, we put it on, you know, the t-shirts and things of that nature. And that those sales raised money for that organization. Can you talk actually a little bit about some of the proceeds from the uh, merchandise with your with the Black History Month logo on it? Yes. So oh, that was the other piece. I'm glad you asked that. So that was the other component that I had to weave into this thing. Breaking Barriers. Breaking Barriers is yes. an organization, is an initiative through Say Yes Buffalo. And, and so what they do is like you know, just year after year, you know, throughout, throughout a year's process, man, they just have, I don't know, maybe 30, 40, I'm not sure how many, 30, 40 uh, young black boys at a time. And they expose them to, you know, different professions, different experts about different things. Like they just give them these tools and these resources for them to consider as kids now about, oh damn, I didn't know about what a pediatrician does. Or, you know, I, I didn't know what gutter pop comics was. Like I, I could be a comic or, you know what I'm saying? Like they just yeah, expose yeah. them to so many things. So that way they have options outside of going to school and saying, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to like, there's a whole, you know, a whole array of things you can be. So that's what, what Breaking Barriers does. And so Breaking Barriers is the organization that is gonna receive the proceeds or a portion of the proceeds from the sales of these t-shirts. So that's why also Breaking Barriers and Breaking the Color Barrier kind of fit and I had to work that part out. And so where it says breaking, I put, I, I broke the words up into Bray yeah. and King, you know, K-I-N-G, right? With a crown over it because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to have them think with the king mentality and not with a subservient kind of, subservient kind of uh, attitude, you know, like just to be, you know, shoulders back, chin up kind of deal in this society. Oh yeah. So, you know, as we're talking about, you know, philanthropy there, um, I had mentioned before that on top of being an artist, you pretty much do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, you are a philanthropist, you are a jeweler, you are a writer and a poet and a musician and a motivational speaker. 
you know, I want to just ask, can you, can you talk a bit about, you know, all of that? I know that might be a little bit of a loaded question, but I, I'm just curious, you know, like you just, you, you seem like you do a bit of everything on top of being, you know, this incredible artist. So would you mind talking about that a little bit? Thank you, man. I, yeah, this, I do, I do quite a bit. And I used to feel insecure about it actually, because I, growing up, I don't know if you all have been, you know, kind of exposed to the same things. However, when I was growing up, it was like, you know, one thing, what are you going to be? Yeah. Right? What are you, what are you going to be when you grow up? You, you know, it sounded weird if you were like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. And it's like, no, you're all over the place. And so for years, I was very self-conscious about all of the things that I was able to do. But when I looked around, I was like, damn, I'm really good at being a jeweler. Like I'm a second generation jeweler. I'm in my jewelry studio now, actually. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'm a second generation jeweler, man. Like my dad was a jeweler. You know, my parents both met as artists at Buffalo State College. So like being an artist was just going to be, that was just going to be the thing. There was no doubt about it, you know? And, you know, so I, I take on jewelry and metalsmithing. There's an art to that, right? There's a discipline to that. The material is different. Obviously, I'm not, the material is different as far as, you know, I know brass and silver and things of that nature, soldering, you know, heat, 1200 degree temperatures and things of that nature and casting, whole bunch of different things. I know how to do that. Then, you know, I used to have, I also spent time as a musician too, a hip hop artist where I, I traveled and toured, you know, producing, writing rap. So. I'm a poet in that aspect. I love putting words together and things. Are you still producing music now? Still making music man, at all? Or? Man, that's a sore spot, man. No. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, that's a sore spot, man. I mean, and, and not, not saying you asked a bad question. I'm just saying, like, it's a sore spot in the sense of I would love to be in that position to entertain that. However, there came a, there came a point where when I was doing it and I had to decide between, you know, putting food on the table and being a grown-up and going mm -hmm. to get a job or, you know, being this crazy idea guy pursuing music, you know? And so I kind of just put it to the burner, to the back for a minute. But the, the beauty of it all is that I circle back around to music and not necessarily being a producer, but I include a lot of music in my work. Like it's, a, it's you know, to like music for my artwork is like licking the seal on the envelope. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's, it's in there. Right. So, so yeah, so I just, you know, I, I, I love speaking, you know, if I ever, if I ever get the opportunity to speak for and with or to people, I, I love just sharing who I am, you know, because I don't have to go to school to tell you my experience. You know, I don't have to get a certification to tell you about my experience, because that's all that I have really is my experience, man, about my failures, you know, many of them and, you know, whatever successes may bring me joy. You know, so I do all those things now proudly, man. I mean, and it doesn't take much effort. I just put on a different hat. <laughs> <laughs> Love the versatility. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate the uh, opportunity again to chat with you. Uh, so for the people who are listening right now, our listeners at home, would you uh, mind sharing some of the details about where people could find your work and where they could find you on social media as well? Yeah, sure. Thank you. The everything pretty much Idris, E-D-R-E-Y-S. And so I thank my parents for naming me that because there aren't many out there. So, you know, it's very easy to find. 
I don't use Twitter. I don't use LinkedIn, you know, but it's, but I, but it's there. I just don't use them. Instagram is like where I'm most heavy, you know, and uh, Eat Off Art is where E-A-T-O-F-F-A-R-T, Eat Off Art is a business that my wife and I uh, co-own. And that's where we put out a lot of our content, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our merchandise and things of that nature, you know, of all sorts, you know, I mean, like, this is one of our things here. This is one of our phrases, man. Love is gangster. Like, and cause I, I believe that man, one of the mm -hmm. hardest things to do is love. Like that's one of the hardest things to do, you know, gangster, that's gangster to me, to be able to get over your differences with people, to be able to see the humanity in other people. Like that's tough to me. Like if you can overcome your, your own paradigms and your own beliefs about things that you feel wrote about like fixed and transfixed in about what your belief is. If you can overcome those things and put yourself second for a chance, that's gangster to me, you know? So a lot of the work that we do speaks about this kind of, you know, that kind of notion, um, just challenging people to grow. And yeah, so eatoffart.com, that's it, man. That's the, that's where everything sits. Very nice. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, we really appreciate it. And, you know, just from getting to talk to you now, it's been great because prior to this conversation, it, it was great to just know what an incredible artist you are. But after getting to hear about just the compassion and just empathy that you move with, not only in your work, but just, you know, your day to day, it, it makes us even more lucky to have somebody like you in our city uh, representing our city. So thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you both, man. I pre pleasure meeting you both this way, man. And um, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the sentiments, man. It really it really means a lot to me, man. Because I question sometimes. I really question sometimes who sees what, and who appreciates what. And I don't do it to be appreciated, but I, I do it because this is who I am. You know, this is who mm -hmm. I am, and I stand on it for better for worse, man. You know. All right, once again, huge thank you to Idris Wajid for joining us. Make sure you're going to check out his website and checking him out on social media as well and keep an eye out for his works across Buffalo. So, Taylor, the Sabres are back in action Monday night against the New York Islanders after a two-week pause due to several players and Coach Ralph Kruger being out with the coronavirus. Uh, most recently, uh, Ralph Kruger and Rasmus Dahlin returned to practice on Sunday. Prior to that, Taylor Hall had rejoined the team. So reinforcements have arrived a bit. How are you feeling ahead of these two games against the Islanders? Well, I'm still pretty nervous, honestly. Nervous might be the wrong word. I'm not super encouraged. Uh, Darlene and Hall being back is great, obviously, and it's good because Kruger was the one I was most worried about in terms of health, being mm -hmm. that he's over 60 years old. But it seems like he's, uh, he's back now. Uh, he was in the stands with Don Granado today uh but yeah I, I don't know this this lineup is still uh unless there's got more guys coming back tomorrow it's gonna be very thin uh looking at this morning's lineup that john vogel tweeted out it is eichel centering skinner and olafson stall centering hall and reinhardt cody eakin centering cj smith and kyle oposo riley sheehan Cheyen, centering tage thompson and uh acclaimed uh recording artist john fogarty <laughs> And then we got Miller, Darlene, Irwin, Yoki Haru, Davidson, Borgen, and Bryson as the extra defenseman. That is that is tough. That is a really bad bottom six. Uh, Ir Irwin being out there again on the second pairing. Uh, Davidson and Borgen, very inexperienced there. I'm fine with Borgen, but I don't like that they're not at least giving Bryson a look. I feel like I would probably rather see him play than 
Brandon Davidson, again, just to give him a little taste. I mean, he's already up. He's been practicing with the team. Give him a shot and see what he can do. Yeah, I'd, I'd also rather see that. Or rather, frankly, the Irwin. I don't really want to see Irwin either. Mm-hmm. either uh, yeah, so we'll we'll know tomorrow or today when you're listening to this uh, if there are more guys coming back from COVID. Uh, but if not, this could be uh, an ugly, ugly two games. But it is a big two games. Huge two games. Uh, would you go as far to say that it's imperative that they win both of them? Yes. Uh, I think they need four points. And key here, four points in regulation, because you don't want the Islanders getting any points. Things are getting really bunched up now in the Eastern Division. In fact, there was a big divisional game today with the Penguins and Capitals. And finally, for seemingly the first time in months or weeks or whatever, one of these goddamn games didn't go to overtime. So luckily... <laughs> It was a two-point game, not a three-point game. And the, the Penguins won. So the Penguins, Islanders, and Capitals are, are now all tied at 15 points in 13 games. Uh, and now now you get to a weird part. Technically, the Rangers are in sixth. But they've played 13 games with 11 points. Mm-hmm. So they're points percentage-wise, they're in last. And then the Devils are 10 and 9 games. The Sabres have 10 and 10 games. So what, what I get out of this is the Sabres are a little bit behind. And they would need two solid wins over the Islanders. Because that's a team that will be competing for fourth place. And if the Sabres are fortunate enough to be competing for fourth place uh, come the end of the season, the Islanders are a team they're going to need to pass. Yeah, I, I think that just like you said, you know, with the standings gonna, that they're going to be so clogged as it is, you are going to need to be able to go on multiple runs of four, five, six straight wins throughout the rest of the season. You know, there's still a lot of games left ahead of you, but if you're going to be able to make a pass, like pass over these teams, you're going to have to go on runs. It's, you know, we can't keep settling for, oh, well, we got three or four or we split. You need to start winning series and multiple series in a row because, I mean, that's how you're going to prove that you're actually a contender. Even further than just taking it from like being in the playoffs in it, like playoff race, like prove that you actually are legitimate. Don't just squeak out wins here and there that's something that i at least would like to see like they're having like commanding wins and when they are winning it's because they're controlling play they're getting high quality chances high danger chances the defense is holding it down solidly and they're getting good enough goaltending from Allmark that he keeps them in games yes so in another uh important factor going forward for the next two and a half months however long the season is they are going to be playing a lot of games mm-hmm. so it looks like if they want the season, the NHL still wants the season to end on May 8th. And if they still want teams to play 56 games, then both of those things could obviously change. But if they do, it'd be 46 games in about 75 days or about 80 days, 83 days. I think actually 46 games in 83 days. That is more than a game every other day. That's about four games a week, most weeks, which is going to be busy, especially with travel. So they're not alone in this. A lot of teams are in the same boat. I mean, teams all over the league are in the same boat here. So it's, it's a challenge, but it's something, it's something you have to do. And now obviously they might be rusty right now, but they're also rested. Mm -hmm. So they need to really come out strong this week. This week is huge because it really is. You can't make the playoffs in the next couple of weeks, but you can miss the playoffs in the next couple of weeks. Well said. And I think one thing to keep in mind, too, that's not ideal in any way that they had two weeks off. But in reality, 
if you think about the transition that a lot of the players had from having 10 months off to then being thrust back and having to be in game shape, we saw how that affected Jack Eichel. It certainly has affected other guys in the lineup. The first two weeks of the season for them were decently grueling with just, again, getting your your mind and your body back into game shape. And so now that they had that rest to see if that's going to be able to catapult them to a new level, because that's the thing, Jack, especially, I mean, the Sabres are only going to go as far as Jack Eichel will take them. And it's not overreacting to say that Jack hasn't played to the level that he needs to, for them to be a competitive team, to be a, a, a playoff contender. So one of the things, the things that I'm most curious about is how he's going to be able to up his game. Like, are we going to see him shooting more like and attacking the net more and dominating more? Because even though he's put up the numbers and he has looked good on the ice, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, and, and it advanced stats back it up too. his five on five numbers have been great. The charts, you know, as Taylor says, we love the charts. Uh, the charts all look good for him too. And so oh, we love the charts, folks. We love we? the charts. Oh, folks. The numbers are, they're so big. They're so big. <laughs> the big boy numbers. So, but that, you know, so like, it's not to say that he's been bad, but would you agree Taylor that he still hasn't been his dominant self that we've become accustomed to or more so that we expect of him and need him to be right. No, he needs to be better. If, if they're going to have any chance, that means like 200 foot dominance, making things happen on offense and scoring, putting the puck in the net and making sure other guys in your line do that too. Connor McDavid already has like 68 points and really good advanced stats this year. Much better. Think... It's, it's a little bit of an asterisk, obviously, because of the division. But mm-hmm. How do you feel about Skinner, Eichel, Olofsson? I'm intrigued. I As do I. kind of feel like they'd, they might be better off putting Skinner back down on one of those third or fourth lines, though. Because it wouldn't be better for Skinner, but man. The bottom six lines, is ugly. Yeah, those lines suck. And I think Eichel could just pretty much, you know, do it with anyone. So mm-hmm. Eichel could probably dominate with most guys if he's playing the way he should be. Uh, but I don't know who you throw on the top line then. Maybe, I don't know. God, it's a mess. It's a mess. Everyone get, you know, get well soon, fellas. Amen to that. So... You know, it's an interesting thing. Like I mentioned, there was a big game in the division today. You know, there's four straight losses for the Capitals. Wow. And they just got Kuznetsov back today, too, I'm pretty sure, off of uh, the COVID protocol list. Yes, yes. So their goaltending is playing terribly. They've allowed 51 goals this season. 51. Yeah. So, for example, they've played the same number of games as the Rangers, and they've allowed 17 more goals. Uh, They've scored 16 more goals. I'm not saying they're Uh. like the Rangers, but, like, still – Capitals are negative four goal differential right now. Their goaltending is a nightmare. Don't love it for them. And honestly, I think that to me drops them down to that tier with Pittsburgh and the Islanders where it's mm-hmm. like, they're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. They just, it seemed like they were in a, in a, a better way, especially early it took forever for them to even lose one game. Well, uh, it, it's, it's felt like all season it's been, you know, Philly, Boston, and Washington are the three that are solidified at the top of the division and that that wasn't going to change. Boston and Philly, I don't think are going anywhere, but you're right that Washington, is it time to start asking questions? Like, could they end up getting knocked off? Yeah, and I I think it's, yeah, they could. Well, first of all, they're in in fourth now. The Islanders Mm -hmm. uh, briefly are ahead of them, although they're really tied in points and games played, so they're not really ahead of them. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, looking at this now, like I know Philly, some of their underlying numbers aren't great, but they have a really good roster and they were good last year. And I think Carter Hart will figure it out more and Couturier is back. So I think they're going to be fine mm-hmm. and probably in second place. Unfortunately, it looks like the Bruins are going to run away with this thing and they have Pasternak back now. And wow, it turns out he's still good. Yeah, he's uh, he's awesome. I mean, it's it's hard to say because I, I try my best to not compliment uh boston athletes aside from celtics players of course we've gone through that but Pasternak, he's just such a great player he's so dynamic and who would have thought from just you know his draft positioning too that he would just become the dynamic scorer that he is one of the best in the league is it a hot take to say he's the best player in that draft class do you think he's better than dries at all maybe i'll never tell i I can get down with that. I actually have Drysdale third. I have Sam Bennett second. (laughs) Future Buffalo Sabre. Oh, he's on the block. Maybe they could get him. Yeah, let's get Sam Bennett. Let's get him in here. We need a a 400th bottom six guy. I don't even know what you would send for him, to be honest. Send Cody Eakin. (laughs) Are you just saying that because of his hair? (laughs) Why? Because red hair. Red hair. Go well with the jerseys. Yeah, you know, well... Who's the best Calgary Flame of all time besides Joe McGinlow? Lanny McDonald, Stanley Cup champion. He had beautiful red hair, and he played for both the Atlanta Flames and the Calgary Flames. Maybe they're looking to reclaim that, you know, that yeah. redhead king. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a king. Absolutely. You know, great mustache and everything. Do you think it's weird that we never talk about the Atlanta Flames? So as hockey fans, we're – talking about defunct teams a lot especially hockey fans that are like born in the 90s or they lived through the 90s there's fun teams like the the whalers and oh, the yeah. old winnipeg jets and Atlanta thrashers yeah well, yeah the atlanta thrashers people are still uh very interested in them it's weird no one ever talks about the atlanta flames well that's more of like the 70s right yeah or but no actually no that would even be into the 80s too yeah so but basically what I'm saying is do you think it's weird? No, because people sometimes are like, oh, the Kansas City Scouts, you know, they had they had some drip hmm. in their uniforms. They had some drip. <laughs> like, no, it's it's like yeah. it never happened. In fact, they I just, they were like, oh, this team completely failed. Let's put another expansion team in Atlanta. I feel like it's a unique case, though, because I don't think that there's another instance of a team that not only did the team move and is, like, the name exists for another team, but then also there was another Atlanta team after that. Yeah. That'd be like if the Winnipeg Jets, rather than coming back, somebody became like the the Cleveland Jets, <laughs> and then there was like the Winnipeg Polar Bears. And people are like, why don't they think about the Winnipeg Jets? But granted, the Winnipeg Jets were like much better. I don't think the Atlanta Flames really made a whole lot of noise. No, they did not. They were so, like the Thrashers. The Thrashers right. never won the playoffs. Yeah. They never won a so, playoff game. You know that? Yeah, the Thrashers or the Flames? Thrashers. Oh, I thought you were The Flames have won the I was going to say, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I don't know if the Atlanta Flames ever made the playoffs. But yeah, it is kind of weird. No, I meant the Atlanta Flames, though. Yeah, Um, it is weird, though, right? You never see their uniforms. You never see anything. Yeah, not really. I mean, but the thing is, is like the uniforms were very similar because wasn't it like the A with like the fire? Yeah. How like the C is? I mean, it's different, but yeah, I guess that's a good point. I don't know. I would assume that would maybe be it. That just like... There was another, there's a more recent Atlanta team, and so people are more focused on that. Yeah, like you don't hear about the Colorado Rockies either, I guess. That is it. Okay, boom. There you go. There's a perfect example of a team that multiple. Coached by Don Cherry. Would you look at that? I believe. As, yeah, yeah. As were it. the Rochester Americans? I think he, I think so. He played for them. 
thought he coached too. He might have coached. Maybe too, he but did. he definitely well, played for. Oh, him. okay. He, uh, I think he did. He coach the Bruins. I think he coached the Bruins yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely did. Yeah. Um, Good for him. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't even know what were we talking about before. The Atlanta Flames. The Atlanta Flames. This is the Atlanta Flames who, podcast? Who are some other teams like that? Well, some def- now defunct teams. Let's think about this. The Cleveland Barons. The Cleveland Barons. Very nice. The California. So the California, California Golden, Golden Seals. Seals. Ooh. They started out as the Oakland Seals. They should make a comeback. They were the Oakland Seals. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've changed their names multiple times. And Great uniforms. They are interesting. So they went from like the Oakland Seals to the California Seals to the California Golden Seals, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then they moved to Cleveland, became the Barons. And the Barons are technically defunct, but also they merged with the Minnesota North Stars. Mm-hmm. There was some weird chicanery with that, too. The North Stars switched ownerships with the Sharks at one point, I think. Some No, was that it? Or did the North Stars... No, the North Stars like cut their whole team and did an expansion draft. Jesus. Or something like that. And then they moved to Dallas. Yeah, Obviously. you know what's funny is that I really am not super well versed on that transition between from the North Stars to the Dallas Stars. Well, it's a strange thing. It's a hockey team moving away from Minnesota. It's bizarre. I don't understand that. Yeah, that's actually pretty crazy to think that there was a time that yeah the NHL was okay with not having a professional team in Minnesota. I don't think they were okay with it. I well, think I know that's that what happened so like, fast. To get it's probably like seven years. I'd be like team. the next year. I'd be like, all right, new team coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like what the NFL did for the Browns. I'm gonna look this up. But I, I think so. They made the cup in '91 and moved in like '93. Which what is, really? Yeah, they lost. So but, it was that but, soon after. Wow, that's. Surprising. I'm gonna look this up. Uh, they were, were like one of the worst teams to ever make the cup. I'm looking it, it up now. Has anybody in any major sport ever? won a championship the year before they relocated or the year that they relocated i guess to their new team no like right before like the last season like oh i i doubt it yeah i was just curious so do you want to guess how many points they had uh boy um not a lot i'm assuming how about 89 68 Come on. <laughs> they were 27-39-14, and 14 and they made the cup. Oh, wow. They upset the Blackhawks, who were good back then. They mm-hmm. made the cup the next year, um, Belfort. They upset the Blues, who the Blues were always good right. in the 90s. And then they upset the Oilers, but this is first year post-Messier, so I don't even know who's on the Oilers in the conference Ooh. final. Oh, okay, get the Oilers that point, five. yeah. Wow, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, actually, Messier might have still been on the team at that point. Huh. Who knows? Let's see. Who were some of their... Uh, John Muckler was their coach? Wow. Okay. Uh, stop it. Stupid. Stupid phone. Let's see. Who was on the Oilers at this point? Dave Gagne? Okay. Whatever. Brian Bellows? No, you're looking at the North Stars team right now. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Right I clicked on that. I was actually curious who was on this North Stars team, though. Madonna. Madonna is there. Yeah, yeah. Brian Bellows, Bobby Smith, Ulf, Ulf Dahlin. Wow. Guy I've definitely heard of. No relation, of course, to our Rasmus. Uh, anybody else noteworthy on this team? Doesn't seem like it. They, their goalies, they had goalies named Yarmo, Kari, Kari Taco, Joe, John Casey was their starting goalie, 891 save percentage. Love that. Yeah, isn't this bizarre? And then they got crushed in the cup. Well, they made it six games, but they lost like 8 nothing in the last game to the uh, Lemieux Penguins. Wow. I wonder how back then how players must have felt. Like, I, I don't know. Or, or just like, it's what, what a crazy thing to think to go from, play, not players, but like the, like the fan bases, really, just to go from 
playing in Minnesota to Texas, you know? Yeah. Talk about a non-traditional market. Cup very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but they... Uh, another fascinating thing is I'm pretty sure they like did like an expansion draft or something. Down goes Brown at the Athletic had a good explanation of it. But like they're like, eh, I don't want this team. They must have not <laughs> got rid of everyone because they still had Madonna. But I think they were like, oh, well, you know, we don't want these players. Let us keep a cup. couple guys. We'll just start over. Yeah, absolutely bizarre, bizarre thing. Strange, strange. Do you have anything else you want to chat about today? Um, Let's see. <laughs> What do we want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Uh, no, I don't know if there's anything I want to talk about. We had a nice interview today. Uh, we talked about the Sabres. What a day. We What a day, indeed. You had some Burger King. I did. I still have uh, still have some fries left. Wow. Yep. Exciting times. What a Saturday. Taylor. We're living large. What is your, what's your pick for the listeners? What do you recommend people... Watch, listen to, read. I recommend eat. that you don't read. It's a huge waste of time. Okay, that is Taylor's pick for the week officially. <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on, I had this saved somewhere. Um, but I, uh, yeah, never read. Huge waste of time. Big nerd energy. <laughs> Watch TV and sports as much as possible. Mm, mm-hmm. It's great for your brain. Uh, I watched Toy Story three for the first time yesterday. It's not my pick, but I just wanted to share that. Okay. Um, so I watched Gremlins for the first time this week. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Classic. Haven't watched that in many, many years. It was in the horror movie section on HBO Max, which I think is interesting. I don't know if it's actually a horror movie. Okay. But yeah, Gizmo, my guy. He's so <laughs> Shout cool. out to Gizmo. Yeah. I had a cat named after him. Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. So Gremlins, really fun stuff. Uh, very interesting movie. Fun movie from the 80s. Mm-hmm. All about Gremlins. All about it. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, I'm going to go with an album again this week. And in keeping with my kind of tradition of trying to suggest different genres and stuff every week, I'm going to go with a rap album this week. And are you familiar with Isaiah Rashad at all? Macklemore? <laughs> no, I'm not, fil- not familiar. <laughs> not familiar with Macklemore? No, or Isaiah Rashad. <laughs> so Isaiah Rashad, speaking of Macklemore, is actually on Kendrick Lamar's label. He's on TDE. Um, but his debut album he put out, it's called The Sun's Tyrate. He put it out a few years ago. He's actually due to put out his follow-up, which like it seems like everybody on Kendrick's label, including Kendrick and like Cesar, are about to be putting out new albums this year. But Isaiah Rashad's going to be putting out his second album. But his first album, though, The Sun's Tyrate, uh, I had heard it for the first time two-ish years ago through the uh, guitarist in both of my bands, actually, and one of my best pals, Matt Sasha. He had showed me him. And uh, he's an amazing rapper, kind of like Kendrick a little bit, but, like, different. It's it's just really, really good. I don't know how to really describe no. it other so than saying, saying isn't good? it's really no, that's exactly <laughs> yeah, he's not, not what like Kendrick I'm at all. He's really good. Okay, he's good in a different way from Kendrick is what I'm saying. Is he taller? Kendrick is my all right. Kendrick is my favorite rapper of all time. I want to make that clear on this yeah. podcast that I am not dissing Kendrick Lamar. I would never do such a blasphemous act. But uh, I don't know if he's taller. He might be. Um, I mean, Kendrick is one of my favorites, not just because he's assume. one of the best rappers of all time, but he's like. Real, like, short king energy. And guys like Major. me, uh, you know, it's it's inspirational to see guys, you know, under six feet tall thriving out there. All right. Well, I'm going to look up how tall Isaiah Rashad is now because now you got me curious if he's he's on Team Tall like me. 
How tall is Isaiah? I bet he's 6'1". Rashad. 6'1"? Okay, that's a good guess. I don't know who he is, but... Come on now. Guess what? What? Short King. Guess how tall? 5'6"? Five, 5'6"! Six. Five, six. Wow. Look at you go! Look at that. Kendrick, you know, you love to see this. Kendrick supporting a fellow Short King. He's all about the shortness. I yeah. love that. Good good for him. Well, either way, you should listen to his album. You would actually like it a lot. If you like okay. Kendrick, that's actually, that is a good thing, a good way to say it. I don't want to say that he's like, he's similar but different than Kendrick, but like, if you like Kendrick, you will like Isaiah Rashad. If you like good rap, you will like Isaiah Rashad, honestly. He's just awesome. So, The Sun's Tirade is the album. Check it out. Maybe highly I recommend. Have you ever checked out any of my my Rixed picks? Not quite yet. No. Mm. Have you? For me? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> cool. So maybe I will. What a great foundational friendship we have. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think I think everybody should check this out. Cool. I'm gonna not do that. Yeah. Uh, but here's what I think. If anyone listen actually <laughs> listens to my movie recommendations, because I'm gonna start doing ones I didn't just watch for the first time. Uh, hit hit me up and let me know what you think. On you could just tweet at Straight Up Savers or me. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you think. Maybe we'll get some good good vibes going. You know, I love the movies. A big big film guy, and I think part of that is driven by uh, I hate sports. Are you a member of Film Twitter? Would you say not really? But I I'm I dip my toes in the water. You dip your to toes. Okay. I film feel tw- that. Twitter uh, is unfairly maligned. I would say. Yeah. That's I. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I'll say this though. So, film Twitter, what I do dip my toes in, see what everyone's up to. I love to see you know arguments for why a movie or a shot or scene in a movie, whatever, is great that I haven't really considered mm-hmm. yet. That's great. I hate all the attention like these like they give to these morons who are just like, oh, I think every Martin Scorsese movie is the same, and they're all dumb. <laughs> the Irishman isn't good or whatever, and then like they get to uh. quote me don't tell. They's like, don't. Don't give those people the attention they want. True. That's what they want from you. True. Let them be stupid alone. It's all about the shock value. Yeah. Or yeah. like, oh, if, if I walk into a guy's apartment and he has Quentin Tarantino movies on the shelf, I'm running away. <laughs> all right. Whatever, man. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Well, all right. I feel that. Well, if anybody who's listening, you know, has checked out any of my music recommendations and, you know, you didn't like them. I don't care. You're wrong. I have a great taste in music. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Tweet at me too. I'd be curious to know. Yeah, that's. A, let's ask that generally. If you've checked out any of our recommendations, uh, tweet at us. Comment on our Instagram. Whatever. Let us know. And uh, if you haven't, well, we'll just we'll go fuck off really quick then. Yeah, cool. that works for me. Okay, great. Who's your random Sabres player of the week? Daryl Shannon. Daryl. Wow, you were just roaring and ready to go. That's right. I'm gonna go Bob Asenza. Oh man, he sucked. Yeah, <laughs> he was awful. Yeah, yeah. He was a he was Marty's backup the first year after Hashik left, right? What? I, I, what year was he actually? It's like it's, I think it was two thousand one, two thousand two, and he was trash. He was not good. So, uh, one of many bad Sabres backup goalies. You know, not everyone can be Marty, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, guys like uh, jo- Jocelyn Tebolt. Yo, do not disrespect Jocelyn Tebow right now. <laughs> he, was, he was also awful. Come on now. Miller had to play like 80 what games that year. year? Did, what year did Bob Asenzo play with the Sabres? Here we go. We got it here, folks. 2001-2002. Yeah, good call. What was the Sabres percentage? Ooh. He, um, let's see. He had nine games played. Um, where are we here? Nine. He played, yeah, nine games. You, you really love to see that. Here we go. I got the stats. 
All right, nine games for the Sabres. Uh, his record was a cool 0 and 5. Uh, save percentage, ooh, 850 with a 291 goals against average and 350 minutes. Yikes. Wow. Well, he was old at the time. He was, he but was also, though, his career high in save percentage is a 913, and he had a save percentage over 900 only three times yeah, in his 13-year career. That, it was different. It was different. Days, yeah. It was. It was different. That's fair. That's fair. But, yeah, I mean, man. All right. Well, anyway. Anyways, Bob Asenza. Yeah. The GOAT. Not a king. Not a king at all. Definitely not. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you are checking out the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics, the Hockey Podcast Network, 31 shows, 31 teams. Check them all out. Sabres are about to be back, so you're already checking us out. But go see what all the other teams are doing, too. There's some some fun stuff happening across the league. And the Bills. Uh, future home to J.J. Watt, question mark? Mm, TBD? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> JJ, come take a pay cut. Not a pay cut because you're obviously not getting paid, but take you know take a cheap. You made a lot of money mm-hmm. throughout your career, and I think it's time for you to win a championship. I think JJ, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard through the grapevine is actually a listener of this show. Yeah. Um, and so JJ, if you're listening right now, um, this is our our formal offer. I don't think it's tampering, but uh, no, you know, he's well, a free agent. What do we got to do to get you here? You know? Yeah. So we'll make it happen. You need anything? You let us know, and we'll take care of it. He actually does listen, and him and he texts JJ Petkara. Oh, Paterka, uh, Paterka, Paterka, to see what he thought of the show. Okay. So they, they they share their thoughts. Is it with like each the other. JJ Alliance? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Huh. We're gonna have to JJ Reddick as well. Is he on this group chat? No, he's a rival podcast. Really? He's a podcast for the Ringer. He does have a podcast. I didn't know that they were rivals. So. No, with us. They're oh, rivals. they rival us. Yeah. Are we, oh, because Bill Simmons is your arch nemesis. <laughs> no, he's just a competitor, man. We're just trying to get his numbers. Fair enough. Well, make honestly, sure you... I I would love to. I I can say insanely stupid stuff on here if you guys. That's what you guys want. <laughs> Is that what the the world demands? It, it might be. Maybe we get Bill Simmons on the podcast and just let him do the work yeah, for us. I, I think uh, <laughs> JJ Paterka is like a, a a poor man's Daryl Shannon, if you will. You know, it's like a cross between uh, Kareem. Uh, Norm from Cheers and <laughs> Teen Wolf. So, yeah. Anyway, he doesn't talk like that. I'm just not good with impressions. Anyway, we're coming uh, for you, Simmons. We're coming. Watch Taking out. you down. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. And make sure you're checking us out on social media as well at Straight Up Sabres. Once again, a huge thank you goes out to Edris Wajid. For coming on the show and for that great interview, make sure you're checking out his socials and his website. Once again, everybody, this has been Straight Up Sabres.